Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Pentecost Sunday. So this is an this is a important moment in the journey of the Christian calendar. Okay, um, Each year we, we start the Christian calendar uh, with the Father who, who proclaims Advent, proclaims the Advent of the Son, right? The coming of Jesus Christ. And so we walk through that season. We have uh, this moment of epiphany after 12 days of, of birthday party, 12th day of Christmas, we have Epiphany, where gifts are presented to the sun. And we have this short period of, of common time. And then we move into Lent. And Lent is a season of preparation, a season of getting ready for the Passion. And what will come in, in that week where, where Jesus encounters um, <clears throat> all the way from the, the triumphal entry through a week of, of teaching and, and things kind of going well with the people and not going so well with the religious authorities. And then we have the betrayal and the crucifixion, right? And then Easter Sunday comes. And then Easter's a big deal. Amen? Easter's a big deal. So we spend some weeks talking about Easter and we just made it through the season of Eastertide. And then we end, we conclude that season with one Sunday, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit only gets one week. If I was the Spirit, which I'm not, which I'm not, I I might feel a little gypped. I mean, everybody else kind of gets their season. And I get a Sunday, man. And then we move to Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday is the first Sunday after Pentecost. So you get like a week and a third if you're the Holy Spirit. So I don't know. We better make this a big deal, right? Because we got, we got one chance. We got one chance. One job today. We have one job today to celebrate, to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives today. It's a big Sunday. It's an important Sunday. After, after Trinity Sunday, there's up to 29 weeks of common, ordinary time ending with Christ the King Sunday. And then we start the church calendar year over again. I say up to 29 because Easter moves a little bit in our calendar. So that's where the flex time comes in between, between Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, and between Christ the King Sunday. So this is a really important week. We've got to do the Holy Spirit stuff right today, Okay. We do that. There's urgency, expectation this week as we talk about the Holy Spirit. The lectionary gospel text is is split up a bit today. So we're going to turn to the gospel of John. We're going to start in uh, chapter 15, read just a couple verses from chapter 15, and then we skip a few verses and we're going to jump down to chapter 16, verse 4, the second half of verse 4. So out of reverence for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, if you would please stand 
as we read the scripture today. Reading from the the Gospel of John today, starting in uh, chapter 15, reading verses 26 and 27, and then we'll jump to verse 16, 4. When the companion comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will testify too, because you have been with me from the beginning. Skipping down to the uh, second half of chapter 16, verse 4, says this. I didn't say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to the one who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Yet because I have said these things to you, you are filled with sorrow. I assure that it is better for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the companion won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will show the world it was wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will show the world it was wrong about sin because they don't believe in me. He will show the world it was wrong about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you won't see me anymore. He will show the world it was wrong about judgment because this world's ruler stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own, but will say whatever he hears and will proclaim to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That's why I said that the Spirit takes what is mine and will proclaim it to you. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Game changers. What are the biggest game changers you have ever encountered? They kind of come in all shapes and sizes, really, right? There there are game-changing events that mark our memories, right? Um, I, I can remember my dad telling me exactly where he was and exactly what he was doing when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And the speaker came over their, their school system or Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination or the landing on the moon. How many of you remember uh, the space shuttle, Challenger, exploding? How many of you remember 9-11, et cetera? Um, All of these are game-changing moments in our lives. 2020 is going to be one of those that we'll remember together for the rest of our lives. Um, Discoveries or inventions that are game-changers. I wasn't around for this one, but the wheel. Anybody drive to church today? You probably rode on wheels. It's a long time ago. It was game-changing, I'm sure of it. I wasn't there for it. Um, Simple machines. How about the printing press? Happened in the 16th century. Antibiotics was a game-changing innovation in the world of healthcare. Automobiles, light bulbs. There's milestone moments in our lives as well. Game-changing moments, a new job or a new promotion. The beginning or ending of a marriage or a relationship. Deciding to follow Jesus and surrendering control over to Christ. These are game-changing moments in our lives, are they not? Pentecost. 
Pentecost is one of those moments. We've been building towards this moment, okay? We've just made it through a serious game-changing moment, resurrection. We just, we just went through this season of, of Easter and the celebration of what it meant that the tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. When the women arrived, there was no one in the tomb. Game-changing moment for the life of the believer. And we've taken time to celebrate it. We've taken a long time to celebrate it, as, as we're supposed to. Um, and, and as we've gone through this um, celebration, uh, these appearances that Jesus has made after resurrection, we've taken time also to, to reorient Jesus' words and his teachings around an empty grave, around a tomb that no longer held Jesus Christ. Remember, we looked at the vine and the branches. We looked at the good shepherd. We looked at what it meant to become witnesses of the season of resurrection. And that's why Easter, Easter tide, the season of Easter, is so critical. But now we turn to Pentecost. Now we turn to Pentecost, this game-changing moment for the church, for the gathered and the gathering people of God. Not just game-changing for them back then when, when the, the house was filled with a wind, but game-changing for us. Because as we look back on all those, those resurrection appearances, if you, if you take a look at what the disciples were doing in those moments, what do we find? We find confused people. Still scared, still behind locked doors, still doubting, saying, well, if, if, if I put my fingers in the holes of his hands, if I place my hand in his side, maybe then, then I'll believe. And they go through this, and they're, and they're still behind locked doors. Or, or they're out on the shore, and they say, well, maybe we'll go back to fishing. Fishing was simpler. It was easy. You go out at the beginning of the day, you throw out your nets, and you come back. They were doubting. Even after Jesus left, they were caught at the, on the hillside. And two, two men in white appeared. And what did they say? Why are you looking up in the sky? <laughs> why, why are you stuck here? These characterizations of the disciples, they strike you as people who are a bit lost and don't know what to do next. We saw that video at the opening of the service today, which the words were just taken straight from Scripture. Okay, I heard you guys chuckling about being drunk at 9 in the morning. I'm not sure why you were chuckling about that. But it, it, is, in, it is in Scripture. That's what it says in the Scripture. The believers were together in one place, and the house where they were, they were at was shaken by a mighty mountain home wind. I'm sure of it. That's, that's what it was. Just came in the house and blew around for a while. And that's what we celebrate. That, that's, the, that's the scripture that tells us of the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. That describes this game changer moment. Now what Resurrection Sunday was for the follower of Christ for the one who loved Jesus, the, the way that that changed their lives that day, for Mary who went and found an empty tomb, Pentecost Sunday was that for the church, for the koinonia, for the gathered people of God. 
We just heard about the disciples behind locked doors and on the shores and back in their boats. And Pentecost comes, and they're accused of being drunk at 9 in the morning. Why? Not because they were stumbling around, because they were speaking nonsense, the nonsense of the gospel of Christ. Peter stands up and says, no, 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 we're not drunk. We have just encountered something amazing and preaches this sermon. And in verse 41, it says 3,000 people believed and were saved that day. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. In this passage, John really speaks to the fact that, that the Holy Spirit, called the companion in the Common English Bible, which we read together, comes to do three things in our lives. It was a game changer for Peter and the sermon that he preached that day. It was a game changer for the early church who launched from this point what we experience today, the birth of the church. Now, the church has gone a long way since then. But it started on Pentecost Sunday when Peter finally had the courage and the strength and the inspiration to come out from that locked door, to come in from that shoreline and say, let me tell you, let me tell you what Christ has done. A game changer for the early church and a game changer for us today. The first thing the companion comes to do is to partner. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Companion comes to partner. We are literally, we are the literal testimony of Christ with the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Spirit is at work in us and through us? We believe in a, in a concept called provenient grace where the Spirit is working on behalf of even those who have not yet believed. The Spirit is wooing people to Christ, saying you are loved. You are a child of God. And many of you have experienced that. Many of you remember the day before you believed and you look back and say, yeah, God knew my name. The Spirit was, was calling me back to Christ. And the Spirit's at work within the, the lives of those who do believe. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Is that good news? That's good news for me today. The Spirit's still working on me. God doesn't withhold, but Jesus assigns this to the believers as well. Did you hear that in what he said? This is in verses 26 and 27. When the companion comes, who I will send from the Father, he will testify about me. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit's job. Oh, wait, verse 27. You will testify too, because you have known me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit partners with us. It's not just our job. It's not just the Spirit's job. We get to partner together. We witness to our experience with Christ. I, th I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I think, I think sometimes we, we think we have to figure it out on our own to, to make a case or to convince somebody. I think we should find comfort that the companion is as invested, even more invested in this assignment from Christ to testify of what God the Father has done through Jesus Christ. Certainly Peter and the disciples didn't do this on their own. I don't see acting like drunk people as one of their skills as fishermen. I don't know. 
Holy Spirit is ready and is in fact already on the job of testifying of the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes it's as, as simple as being willing to, to have a conversation. To have a conversation about the joy that we have. Being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. As scripture says. Not that we're out on street corners. Not that we're going door to door. But in the grocery store or in the hardware store. Ready to tell the story. Sometimes it's as easy as an invitation. We got together with the board. Um, this past week I've been in Alaska, but the Saturday before that, it was really beautiful up there, by the way. I think I brought some of the cold weather back. I really apologize for that. should have left that out of my carry-on. Uh, but when we got together, it was amazing to hear the stories of how our church board members first came to this place. And I'll tell you what, the theme of invitation kept turning up. When they first came, they, were, they had been invited. And maybe that's part of how the Holy Spirit can testify with us and through us to the goodness of God. First point, the companion comes to partner with you and with me. Second point is this, the companion comes to correct or to teach. Here, here's the correction. Here the correction is for the world as, as, as it's spelled out. As we partner with the Spirit, the Spirit is here to set the world right. And, and the gospel writer talks about three areas, sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin. For John, for John unbelief was the primary basis of sin. To, to not believe, to not respond to this Spirit that has called us and drawn us into relationship. To not believe that was sinful. Believe and you shall be saved. Uh, that last verse uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you fail to believe and, if, and you choose life apart from God, God will say, okay, I love you enough to, to allow you to make that choice to not receive relationship. This companion calls us to life with God, to journey with God. In, in, the, in the realm of, of righteousness, this pre-crucifixion prayer, this prayer that, that Jesus was praying, this teaching that we read from, from the book of John happens before he was crucified. And yet Jesus flips the scripts on the actions that were about to be taken. Rome would participate in his execution, right? But in a righteous ending, that would be the very act that exalts Christ into heaven. The world thought it was getting justice or, or administering justice in the world, and they got it so wrong convicting an innocent man, and that's the very action that God uses to exalt Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our lives and to offer us forgiveness of sin. Holy Spirit sets right the world in this area of righteousness and in judgment. It was Jesus' judgment that was, was forthcoming, and the companion's role is to set right that judgment. The world was wrong in condemning Christ. 
And as the Spirit's arrival would prove, this would in turn condemn this world's ruler. Amen. Companion comes to correct. And then the third one, the companion comes to teach. I love Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says this, I have so much more to say to you. And all the disciples lean in. And what does he say? Ah, but, you, but I just can't. You can't. You're not ready for it. And the disciples are like, ah, come on. It's not like he's exhausted or doesn't know, doesn't know how to say it. It's all on our own limitation. It's all on our own limitation. I remember when I was a teenager. I remember those days. Do you remember those days? I, I, I try to forget. God's taught me a lot since then. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. It's all on our own limitation. He says, but you just can't handle it right now. We have so much to learn. I think about the ways that I've learned, even, even since graduating college, and the amount that's been written, the amount that's been taught, even from 20 years ago. And then I think about the days when these words were recorded. Maybe the year 90, maybe the year 80, somewhere in there. Think about all that has been taught, all that we have learned since then. The Holy Spirit is integral in what we read each morning as we come because we believe that the Holy Spirit helped inspire the words that were written, right? That God was involved in this process and, and even though it was written by men, by humankind, we believe the Spirit was prompting and leading and guiding. Guess what? The Spirit also helps us as we read. That the very intention of God as, as it was written down can then again be interpreted through our own reading. The same God who inspired these words is helping us to understand. I hope, I hope when you read Scripture, you take just a moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand today? Interpret these words for me. Help me understand. Help me glean and grasp one concept today. I believe the Holy Spirit inspires the hearing of the word. So the companion comes to partner. The companion comes to correct. And the companion comes to teach us today. I'll tell you, in this past year, which has not been easy, the Holy Spirit has taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about how to have compassion for other people. Taught me a lot about blind spots that I have in my own life. Taught me about some of my own insecurities and my own biases. Don't stop. God, don't stop. Never stop sending the Holy Spirit because I've got so far to go. Keep teaching me. Keep leading me. And thank you for the companion, for the journey. We don't walk alone.
We don't walk alone. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up as we close out. The truth is this. The Holy Spirit still comes today. The Holy Spirit is, is still a game changer for us today. Not only for us as followers of Christ, not only in this, this individual sense, but for the church. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to descend again upon his church, setting them ablaze with passion and love for the world today. But maybe today you need to cry out for that spirit. Maybe today you've never received Christ. And you need to receive that spirit that's after you, that's calling you towards God, saying, there's a gift. There's a gift for you that if you would receive it, you can walk with God. And know me in an intimate way today. If you've never received Christ, maybe today is the day. In your heart of hearts, you say, God, I want that. I want to walk with you today for the rest of my days. Some of you today may need to cry out for that spirit and say, come and correct today. Maybe you need the Spirit to break in and establish for you this new growth edge for you in your life. You're struggling with this or you're struggling with that. God wants to come in and correct today. Maybe today you need to cry out for that Spirit and say, come teach. Teach me today, God. Through your Holy Spirit, may today... Today I need the witness of the Spirit to come alongside of me. And maybe you need to say, come partner with me. Holy Spirit, I invite you to partner. The crazy thing about God is that he doesn't push his way in. He says, I love you enough that you get to choose. I give you agency. I give you the choice. I'm not going to push my way in. But needs to be invited whatever you need today. Don't miss the chance. The chance that Pentecost reminds us of. The chance to experience afresh and anew the coming of the Holy Spirit in our hearts individually and collectively as a church today. This is not for a select few. This is for all people. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, today we invite your spirit to this place. We all come from different places, different areas of life. God, I pray today for those who may need to feel like they need that, need that partnering of the Holy Spirit, would they invite you in and would you restore them in energy and grace, God, today? others today who may need your spirit to help them correct. They know they need it, and yet that's a tough ask. Lord, I invite you in. Come help me correct my journey. And others today say, teach me again. Teach me anew. I've been on this journey maybe for years, for decades. Teach me anew what you have for me today. Thank you for sending the Spirit. Thank you for this day to remember 
to reestablish the Spirit's place in our lives in all that we say and do. Pray this in Christ's name. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.